0: Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. Here's your host, Miles Beacom.
1: Today, we have a 1994 South Dakota Hall of Fame inductee uh, to talk to you, Lyle Schroeder. Welcome, Lyle Schroeder, and thank you, thank you very much for joining us this morning. And Thank you. Can you give us, to start with, a little overview of your history from childhood on? So take a few minutes and walk through that, please.
0: Okay, well, I was born in Pipestone, Minnesota, on a farm, lived on the farm, and, and graduated from Pipestone High School in 1952, and then I enrolled at Augustana College in, uh, in 1952, and while I was at Augustana, I started working at Sioux Valley Hospital as a part-time worker. My first job there was washing walls and surgery in the afternoon after the surgeons had completed their surgery. And then um, I had another job in the laundry department. I worked in the maintenance department. I worked in several departments while I was going to Augustana College.
1: Well, they must have liked you to keep giving you different jobs within Sioux Valley at the time there.
0: Well, part, maybe they liked me, but uh, my first job, as I said, was washing walls and surgery. And being a farm boy from Minnesota, I kind of figured that was kind of the work that the ladies do, work washing the walls, and so I had to figure out a way that I could get out of that wall washing job And that's when I moved into the Laundry and then from the Laundry into maintenance and then maintenance back into Laundry. And so I had different jobs there.
1: So when you were at Augustana, did you ever think you'd retire from
0: Sioux Valley? No, I did not. Uh, That uh, it was a part-time job. I needed the money to get through college. And uh, so I, I, I never visualized the fact that I'd even be in healthcare administration. That uh, at that time, my objective was to get through college and uh, pay my way with my expenses that uh, I was getting the money from, from, from Sioux Valley Hospital. What was your major in college? <laughs> Business administration. Okay. And then I received a master's in healthcare administration from the University of Minnesota. And why'd you go into healthcare? Pardon me. Why'd you go into the healthcare
1: administration?
0: Well, as I worked at the uh, hospital, uh, occasionally I'd visit with the administrator at the time, Jack Rogers. And Jack asked me one time what I was measuring at, an Augie, and uh, then he indicated to me, if, wanted to know if I had ever thought about getting into healthcare administration. And I said no, that I hadn't, and so he kind of put the bug in my ear. So, so then you went over to
1: Minnesota and picked up your master's in healthcare administration. Then what did you do?
0: Um, part of my getting my master's that I had to uh, do a residency in healthcare administration. And I did that in Memorial Hospital in South Bend, Indiana. And then while I was out there, uh, I, my residency was supposed to be 12 months, but I completed it in 10. And then I had an offer from uh, Sioux Valley Hospital to come back as assistant administrator, and that happened in 1960.
1: What did you think when you you were made that offer to have an opportunity to come back to Sioux Falls, where you went to college, uh, and be the system administrator?
0: Well, I knew it would be there'd be some positive things about it because I knew a lot of the people that were there. But there are a lot of people that were there knew me as well, and 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 I didn't know how they would react to the guy that used to haul the garbage out and wash the walls and work in the laundry, being the assistant administrator. So it was kind of a learning process for me as well as for the employees. Did you have any challenges with that? Oh transition? yes, I did. That uh, that uh, as I said, that a lot of people remembered working with me as. Uh, as as I was doing the work of the laundry and stuff like that, and uh, and uh, see me at 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 work in a suit and a tie, and now being in administration was something new for me and new for them as well. How'd you overcome that challenge with some of the people?
1: Is it just working together with them, or
0: just work together with them and being honest with them and. Uh, being forthright and, and uh, being, being fair with them is the main thing. And, and, of course, I could kind of think about how the employees were reacting to things because I previously had been the employee and had to react to decisions of management. And How long were you in that role before another opportunity came along? I was an assistant administrator for about 18 months before I was made the administrator. Was that part of the plan when you came back? Not at all, not at all. That uh, When I came back, my thought process was that I'd be the assistant administrator at Sioux Valley Hospital for a couple years, and then I would look for a job in a smaller hospital someplace. And I kind of had my eye on Huron that I thought that that would be a pretty good place to to go to work, that uh, I knew Sister Innocentia that was the sister in charge of the Huron Medical Center. And the thing I liked about it is it was the only hospital in town, and the fact that they had a nursing school, and Huron at that time was a pretty vibrant community. Mm -hmm. And so I really thought that if I could end up after a couple years in Huron, that that would be the ideal thing. So what was your thought when they offered you that position at Sioux Valley to be the administrator? Well, I was I was kind of taken back by it because uh, uh, the the job opening was there because of the fact that there had been a disagreement between the administrator and the board, and so I was placed at first in the position of acting administrator, and. Uh, and and I knew something was going on because we'd get all these applications would come in for people that wanted to be the administrator and I'd refer that to the board and the board would say well put that in the file we'll get to that later on and uh, and then I run into the problem of being the acting administrator that there were a number of people that would come to me and say Lyle before we get this new guy here, let's fix this, let's finish this, let's do this. And so that put me in kind of an uncomfortable position That and not knowing whether I was going to be the administrator or be the acting administrator or what my position would be.
1: So the, at that time, the board was just sitting back watching your performance and having you put the other resumes in a file drawer and uh, so you must have been successful with some of those changes that other people thought you should make, and, and you took action and, and took well, the right I, I,
0: even, I even called the director of, of a course in hospital administration at the University of Minnesota. That was Mr. Jim Hamilton, and I said to Mr. Hamilton, I don't know what to do that I've got this job as acting administrator, and, uh, and we're getting these applications, but nobody's looking at them or working on them, and uh, I, I don't know what to do. And Mr. Hamilton, being a very uh, aggressive individual, he said, well, did you ever stop to think that maybe they're looking you over and that maybe they're thinking about you for the job? And I said, well, no, I hadn't thought about that. He said, well, just slow down a bit, he said. and uh, He said, they're looking at you, and he said, they might end up offering you the job on a full-time basis.
1: What was your thought then?
0: I thought I didn't know what to think. Uh, I, I thought it was good advice because I had a lot of respect for Mr. Hamilton.
1: It had to be uh, quite a compliment, too, for your skills at that point in time. And I, I uh, suppose, yes, yeah. it was.
0: So when did they offer you the permanent position? Uh, I was offered the permanent position in November of 1961. Well, congratulations, and I take it you accepted.
1: I accepted. It, and, and then from 61, and what was the date that you retired? Uh, first days of 97. Okay. What a run that was. And again, to think that you were there for what, 36 years? 36
0: and, years in management, plus the six years that I worked there while I was going to college, and then a couple years after college that I worked there.
1: So, yeah, right around 42 years. 42 times. years that I
0: was... I used to tell my uh, colleagues that I graduated with from the University of Minnesota, I said, never saved up enough money to leave.
1: <laughs> Boy, that's... A, and the changes that you've seen from in those 42 years, what do you think the biggest change has been when you were uh, at Sioux Well,
0: I think the biggest change, when, when I started there, there were 57 hospitals in the state of South Dakota. And um, they were all pretty similar. Uh, the only thing that, uh, about Sioux Valley that was different was it was larger. And so that we performed a few more cases. I mean, if we talked deliveries, we had more deliveries because of the fact that we were in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But as far as the basic service, we were pretty much like all other hospitals in the, in the state. And so it was during the time that I was there that we moved from being a general acute hospital to a tertiary care facility which had the specialization of the doctors and the special care units and the coronary care units and all those kinds of services.
1: And prior to that, those patients would go to Mayo or to Minneapolis
0: or someplace else? Absolutely. In fact, uh, it was even kind of humiliating at one time to note that uh, North Central Airline, who served the Midwest, had put on a direct flight from Sioux Falls to Rochester, and their reasoning and justification was that their sales department had said that there's lots of people from Sioux Falls that are going to Rochester for their health care and so we want to give them a direct flight. And so there was a lot of business that was uh, leaving South Dakota going to Minnesota and of course sitting here where we're located in Sioux Falls with the University of Minnesota and and Rochester, the Mayo Clinic, 200 miles thereabouts away from us, we had good competition or good places to refer those patients. So was that a
1: difficult change for you and for the uh, Sioux Valley Hospital to begin pulling in those experts to be able to have those surgeries and other things happening right here in Sioux Falls?
0: Well, it wasn't really difficult, but it, it, it was uh, something that we had to plan and something that we had to take into account as we operated the hospital. Uh, I always operated on the basis of three questions. Question one was, is it something that we need? Question two, is it something that we can do well? And question three, can we be competitive? And uh, if the answer had to be yes to all of those questions in order for us to take on a new service or do a new uh, a new level of care in, in the hospital, and the other advantage of, of doing it that way was that, uh, that in order to answer those three questions, we had to involve a lot of people on, on our staff. And, and that resulted in a, being a buy-in when we got to the final conclusion that yes, this is something that we can do and something we should do. The buy-in was there on the part of the employees because they had been part of the process of answering those three questions. Now, not every, every time did we come up with a positive answer. I know at one time there were people that said, well, that we needed to have a psychiatric and a mental health service at the hospital. We did not have that. And so we put that through the three questions, and we concluded that uh, Vera McKinnon, it was a, just McKinnon at that time, that they had a unit. They were doing a very good job of running the unit. Um, they they were cost competitive, and there wasn't any need for us to get into that kind of care because of the fact that it was already here, that we could then put our resources into other care, other units of care.
1: Yeah, well,
0: that's a that's a great approach to have, uh, and then you weren't fighting over the
1: patients or the uh, and the duplication having it out there, and it was just more successful for both hospitals at the that's time. That's right.
0: Well, and and we even had. The, same question asked of us about a burn unit and we went through the three questions and we determined that St. Paul had a very fine burn unit Uh, the fact that um, we could probably not do it as well as what they were doing up there and so we concluded that again was something that we did not need to get into that we could get into other areas where we could answer the three questions positively yeah.
1: How old were you then when you took over as the head administrator for Sioux Valley?
0: Twenty-six years of age. Twenty-six years of age. So what do you think about that now? <laughs> well, I think that's quite a gamble that the board took <laughs> on a young fella. They seen something, and it proved out to be a good decision. Wouldn't you agree? Well, it was a it was very good for me, and I hopefully very good for the hospital.
1: Yeah. When you were at the. The hospital as well, and even today, you still stay very involved with the community. And even when you were an administrator, and you were so busy with everything going on and adding new things to the hospital, why did you get involved with the community?
0: Well, I had a belief that uh, that in the past, too many administrators had did not have a relationship with the downtown community and with the business community that they stayed out at 18th and Duluth or 18th and Summit Avenue and the only time that you would see them was when they were getting ready for a fundraising drive then all of a sudden they'd start communicating with everybody in town and so it was my belief that uh, that we had to pay, everybody should pay their civic rent and the way that you would do that would get involved with other people in the community and uh, that's what I always tried to do.
1: Sioux Valley and has been such an anchor uh, for this community as well. And well, I just look at what you've built at uh, Sioux Valley and, and what Sanford then has taken on when they took the baton over. But, you, but I look at everything that they do in the community, not only healthcare wise, but community service wise, mm-hmm. and how strong our community is because of what you started. Uh, and I just think it's amazing and and when you look back what are your thoughts on the impact that Sioux Valley Sanford has on this community because when you took over Sioux Falls was probably in population probably about 50,000. 50,000
0: exactly it yeah well back then uh, uh, back then that was prior to Medicare prior to Medicaid in in fairness to the to the hospitals the hospitals did not have a lot of money I mean it was difficult for them to do things and uh, but but I always felt that living in the community that we ought to pay our civic rent and that uh, the way we would do that would be involved with the community Um, the hospital being a not-for- profit community organization really was owned by the community and so we always tried to do what we thought the community would want us to do I used to tell the board members that uh, We had 15 board members at the time. I was not on the board initially, but that if we had a community of 150,000 people and we had 15 board members, that each board member and every decision that they made, that they ought to realize that they were making the decision on the behalf of 10,000 people. And part of that 10,000 people, some of them would have jobs. Some of them have very good jobs. Some of them would not have jobs. Some of them would have nice homes. Some wouldn't have any homes. So, that all of our decisions were based upon the fact that we represented the entire community. Mm-hmm.
1: It's,
0: a, it's a great approach. Well,
1: what would you share with young people today that don't believe there's an opportunity for them? Uh, when you look at everything that the
0: opportunities that you had, the challenges that you had, uh, what would you say to them? I I would say that they ought to lead their life a little bit like somebody that is preparing for the Olympics. Keep an eye on your competitor, measure your progress, work very hard, try to improve yourself every day so that you're a better person and better prepared. And if you would relate that back to your, your life work, loyalty to your company, loyalty to your peers, work hard, nobody outwork you. And those would be the kinds of things that I would suggest to young people. And I think if they do that, then they're able to progress up through any organization. Yeah, and I agree with that. Uh,
1: and what's tough today is I just see so, so many people, when, the t- when it gets tough or something tough happens, they throw in the towel and they walk away versus pull and raising their hand say, help me overcome this challenge. And Correct. And all of us are faced and everybody thinks that uh, just because you're in administration, you have no challenges, but uh, you have challenges day in and day out, and you just have to surround yourself with good people. What are you most proud of, of everything that you've been able to accomplish in your life, Lyle?
0: Well, I think the thing that I'm most proud of, the fact that I was able to work at the same place for 42 years, 37 in management, uh, and and leave happy and I think when I left the people were happy with me. I think we we took an organization that had really very fine roots and very fine standing in the community and I think we improved upon it and uh, that we have the fine organization that we have today which has now been renamed Sanford Health System.
1: Lyle, you've made some incredible accomplishments. What do you think has been your
0: biggest challenge uh, since you started at Sioux Valley? The biggest challenge that I had was that that I could see that the community was growing, and that Sioux Falls had a had a had a nice future ahead of it with growth and and complexity in in the city, and I had some board members, a minority of the board members, that did not like the idea of thinking about expanding the hospital. In fact, I had one board member one time that visited me privately and said that he he rather liked what I was doing at the hospital and thought I was doing a good job, but he warned me that if I ever had any ideas about adding on to the hospital by borrowing money that he was gonna fight me right to the nth degree. And I finally had to conclude to this gentleman that uh, Look, them. my job was to represent the community and represent to the board what I thought that they should do. And if they decided to do it or not do it, was their decision because they represented the community. And that if I was bringing too many items to them that they didn't agree with, then probably they had the wrong person.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's a, and you have to sometimes just face those directly and, and
0: uh, deal with those objections and and Mm -hmm. move on. Well, fortunately, that was in a minority. And I think then, later on, that they could see that some of the things that we were proposing and some of the things that we were thinking about doing were very beneficial, not only for the hospital, but for the community. Because when you take a look at the number of cases that were being referred out, Prior to the time that we had open heart surgery and all the specialization that we had, I mean that was a big economic factor, and um, and likewise when at one time I did a study on the number of hospital beds that we had that were occupied by Minnesota and Iowa people, and it was far greater number of people than majority of the hospitals in the state of South Dakota.
1: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <clears throat> it, it is when you look at the that. Lyle, what do you think was has been the most beneficial for you or heartwarming for yourself of a program that you've been involved in in the community here in Sioux Falls?
0: Well, I think uh, the program that's had a lot of success is Forward Sioux Falls. That um, I was the first general chairman or the fourth first fundraiser of the Forward Sioux Falls. And I think that has done so much to put Sioux Falls on the map and uh, cause Sioux Falls to be able to grow and be able to compete. And I think just being a part of it, while I was not the originator of it, I used to say that there were other people, the Morris Murphys and the Dave Birkelands, and some of those people were the originators of the idea and the grunt work they, they gave to me, and, uh, and, but at least I was a part of it. And it was successful, and I think now we're on, what, the 7th or 8th uh, yeah. forward Sioux Falls program. Yeah.
1: And you were the chair for the very first one. Very first. Which one. is something new again, which is a challenge right. in itself. And how much money
0: did you raise? I think we raised a million eight, and I think we did that in 29 or 30 days. And, uh, and the thing that was difficult about it is that when we called on the business community and the people in, in this community that was not an item that they had budgeted mm-hmm. they didn't have it in last year's budget so those were new dollars that they had uh, come up with
1: yeah. uh, it's just amazing and you're right the success of four Sioux falls has just been amazing and the impact of sioux falls has been amazing right. so thank you very much for taking that chairmanship on that very first year thank you. and anytime you do something new it's a challenge and you're right the people did not the businesses did not have it budgeted that year uh, but the success that we continue to see from the forward Sioux Falls campaigns is incredible. And shortly after that, Sioux Falls was ranked number one city in the country, wasn't it? I think that's, that's right.
0: It? They had a uh, number of uh, of uh, awards and recognition being number one for this, number one for that. and.
1: And I remember the first time we were number one, I was in Chicago, and I was bragging. I was working in, Chicago, in the Chicago land area, and I was bragging what a great community Sioux Falls is. And some of my friends said, that's because you're not there anymore, Miles. So, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, no, thank you for that. And, and you look at the successes of all the other Ford Sioux Falls campaigns,
0: they wouldn't be there if we weren't successful on that first one, so ta- first thank one, you for first, taking that risk. First one had to be successful. And, of course, when we did the first one, uh, there, was, uh, there wasn't any thought process that that was going to be an annual event. I mean, this is something that we needed to do because we had a kind of a negative element in the Sioux Falls community at that time that, uh, you know, golly, I think we had to vote on the, the arena twice in order to get that passed. Lincoln High School did not pass the first time. And so we had a little bit of a negative element in the community. And the other thing that Forward Sioux Falls accomplished it put a positive spin on what we couldn't do in this community.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just think it's amazing that uh, when you started Sioux Valley, we had about 50,000 people in the Sioux Falls community, and how many people were employed at Sioux Valley at the time?
0: 350 to 400,000, or, or 400, yeah, yeah.
1: 350 to 400 people. You're right. And today, we have how many in the
0: San Well, Furn- it's 49 to 50,000, I think, with the system,
1: yeah. And you look at that system and the footprint, Headquarters are in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but they're nationally and actually internationally as well with some of their partnerships, which which is just amazing. How do you feel about that?
0: Well, I feel very positive about it, that I have at home in my file the first annual audit of, of, of when I was there, and I think the volume of business that we were doing that year was like a million seven in 1960. And then when I retired in 1997, I forget, I think it was 180 or 190 million or something like that. So we'd gone from 1.7 to 180, 190.
1: Yeah, just, just amazing. What would you like, like people in South Dakota to know about you? Uh, something that you're really proud of?
0: Well, I guess the growth of what happened in the healthcare system throughout the state that uh, not only what we accomplished at Sioux Valley, which is now Sanford, but throughout the system that uh, that, that we kind of elevated the entire level of medical practice in the state. And uh, I was happy to be a part of that and uh, one of the things that I accomplished was the growth of the medical community while I was here that uh, I'm proud of that. Yeah.
1: I just think it's amazing what Lau <clears throat> Schroeder has done from his, thank goodness, he went to Augustana and began his jobs there at Sioux Valley as cleaning the walls in the uh, surgery room to painting, to laundry, and then taking on the administrator of Sioux Valley. And you look at how our community and how the hospital in unison has continued to grow It's just amazing. And the other thing is, he is so well-known and so well-liked in our area. Every event I'm at that Sanford Health has today, they thank him for building an incredible foundation. So thank you you very much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.